Hey, if you love Jesus, can you make some noise this morning? Come on. Come on. You can do better than that. If you love Jesus, can you make some noise this morning? <laughs> you guys can take a seat. Thank you so much. Man, um, such an honor to be with you all this morning. Um, before we go any further, uh, I love that your church is a church of honor. Um, and I love that you honor your pastors. But I'm going to honor them one more time. Because um, it is so clear to me that you guys have some of the most incredible um, pastors at this church. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Um, just hearing, uh, full, full disclosure, Pastor Mike and I, we've been friends on social media for uh, a couple years now. But this was our first time meeting this weekend and um, in person, in IRL, in real life. That's what that means. Um, and we met this weekend, and just hearing the story of this church, uh, it's a miracle. Like, you guys are literally living in a miracle. Um, and when I think about Pastor Mike um, and Christy, the word that I think about is perseverance. Um, to hear the story of location after location and closed door after closed door, but them holding tight to the word that God had given them and the burden that God had put on their heart for this city and this community. Um, it really, really inspired me and touched me in a way that um, very few stories do. And uh, I just feel like it would be appropriate one more time to let them know how much we love them and how much we care about them. Yeah, come on. Wherever they are, we love you. And, uh, man, I saw Miss Christy playing guitar up here on stage. I was like, is that your wife? He was like, yeah, it is. You better recognize. It's like, man, she is a legend. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, if we didn't meet yesterday, my name is Noah Heron. I'm 24 years old. I've been married for four months. Come on, somebody. Come on. Um, most beautiful girl on planet Earth. Her name is Maddie. Uh, it was Maddie Perry, but by the grace of God, it is Maddie Heron now. And um, this is actually my first weekend away from her since we've been married. Um, and uh, I miss her a whole lot. I feel so mushy since I've been married. Like, I used to not be that guy. I was like pretty like stone cold. But last night I was like, I miss you. <laughs> But, uh, man, it has been such an honor to be with you guys the past two days and to see what God is doing in the city of Albany. Um, I have the honor of leading uh, a young adult movement called The Gathering. I love young people. Um, anybody love young people? I love young people. Um, I love our community back in Cleveland, Tennessee. It's a little warmer there. Um, and uh, the other day, um, I was eating lunch in the cafeteria at Lee University, which is a university that's right next to where we have church. And I was eating in there, and I was listening to a conversation between, between these two young people. And uh, it became very clear to me that this guy had a thing for the girl. Um, and so I was like, okay, I got to listen to this game that he is trying to spit right now, right? I need to pay attention to this. I could take some notes. And um, as I started eavesdropping on this conversation, it became more clear to me that she did not have any feelings for him. And, um, and at one point, she finally got, she got very frustrated. I couldn't, believe she said that, I couldn't believe she said this. She looked at him and she said, I only date guys who lift. She literally said this. 
out loud. I was like, ooh. <laughs> but this dude turned and looked at her stone cold in the face and said, well, it's a good thing I lift his name on high. And he walked away. Come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. Has nothing to do with my message. I just love it. I just love it. Um, hey, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And um, starting in verse 1, I'm really, really excited um, about this message. And uh, I hope that you will continue to feel the freedom this morning for the next few moments we have together to um, talk to me, talk back to me, right? You can say amen, true that, preach it white boy, whatever you want to say, you can say it. We have a lady who sits on the front row at my church. Um, she has got to be in her late 70s. And uh, when I get going, she always yells the same thing. She says, tell the truth and shame the devil. <laughs> it took me a while to figure out if I liked it, but um, I actually like it. And uh, love, to, love to preach and just really honored to be here. Thank you so much for uh, making me feel welcome. So Mark chapter 2, this is what it says. Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum and the news spread that he was back in town. Soon there were so many people crowded inside the house to hear him that there was no more room even outside the door. While Jesus was preaching the word of God, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man. But when they realized that they couldn't even get near him because of the crowd, they went up on top of the house and tore away the roof above Jesus' head. And when they had broken through, they lowered the paralyzed man on a stretcher right down in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw the extent of their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, My son, your sins are now forgiven. This offended some of the religious scholars who were present, and they reasoned among themselves, Who does he think he is to speak this way? This is blasphemy for sure. Only God himself can forgive sins. Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and said to them, Why are you being so skeptical? Which is easier to say this, to this paralyzed man, Your sins are now forgiven, or stand up and walk. But to convince you that the Son of Man has given authority to forgive sins, I say to this man, Stand up, pick up your stretcher, and walk home. Immediately, the man sprang to his feet in front of everyone, and left for home, and left for home. If you're taking notes um, this morning, the title of my talk is going to be About My Father's Business. About My Father's Business. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, I want to be about my father's business. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. Say, I want to be about my father's business. My father's business. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We ask that you'd speak to us in this place, Lord. Speak to us something fresh that when we leave here, we'd leave encouraged. We'd leave here full of your Holy Spirit. And we'd leave here on fire for the mission of reaching the city of Albany. We love you. We thank you so much for Chick-fil-A. And everybody said. <laughs> Anybody in here? Um, <clears throat> you have witnessed something in your life so crazy that you will never forget that thing that you witnessed. Anybody? You, you have seen something so crazy that it has stuck in your mind for the rest of your life. Maybe, maybe it was um, the driving that you saw on the way here, okay? The crazy New York driving. Pastor Mike told me yesterday that people drive to work in a foot of snow in Albany, New York, okay? Where I live, if it snowed a foot, the only thing we'd be working on is our beauty sleep because the city would be shut down for at least a week, okay? 
Um, I will never forget something that happened to me two years ago. I was in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, I was visiting my grandmother. She lives there, um, and uh, she lives uh, just outside the city of Baltimore. And our family, we were visiting, but I was the only person at the house. The only person at the house was just me and my grandmother. Everyone else was at the mall. I was hanging out at the house with my Nana. And um, on this particular day, I happened to be using the bathroom, okay? I was using the bathroom, happened to be sitting down. All right, it's one of those days, okay? It's one of those days. I'm trying to, to be mature about this conversation. Um, can you imagine if this was your first time in church and the pastor started like this? You know, it's like, <laughs> the normal guy normally doesn't talk about this, I promise, you know? I'm sitting down, and it got to be the point uh, in the process where I needed to take steps so that I could stand up again. You know what I'm talking about. I look over to where the supplies are, and there are no supplies. My grandmother has failed to prepare for this moment. And so I do the only thing I can do. I say, Nana, I need a care package. And I don't know. Um, I kind of expected my, uh, my Nana to maybe, like, come down the hall and, and, and you know, like, open the door and, and throw the toilet paper in. You know, she's a, she's a big Ravens fan, so maybe she just throw the toilet paper in. Maybe, maybe um, what I was expecting her to do is open the door and, and like, roll the toilet paper in. Um, but what I was not prepared for was for my 74-year-old grandmother to swing open the door to walk over to where I was parked <laughs> to begin to replace the toilet paper for me. She turns around. She starts Windexing the bathroom glass. She's wax awning and wax offing. She's singing. I am shocked and appalled in the corner of the bathroom about to cry, okay? I will never forget that moment because it caught me so by surprise. It was something I was not ready for. And um, when I read the passage of scripture that we just read this morning, I have got to, to believe that the people that were present in this room, this was a crazy experience for them that they will never forget, right? Imagine being at small group and you're in the middle of small group and all of a sudden you start hearing the roof get pounded on. And, and it is like a jackhammer, and they are just, I mean, they're ripping up stuff. And you're at small group, you're like, what in the world is going on? You know, you just start to freak out. And then all of a sudden, there's a hole in the roof. And this little man sticks his head in, and he goes, coming in hot, and he just falls through. <laughs> right? Can you imagine this? It's crazy. It's crazy. Right. Let me set the scene for you because I think it's really important to understand the context of this. Right? Jesus shows up and he starts teaching in this house. And, and anytime Jesus begins to speak, there's always a crowd that begins to form. And so Jesus starts speaking and this crowd begins to gather. And all of a sudden the house is so full that there's no room inside. The only problem with that was there was a man who was not in the room who desperately needed to be there. This paralyzed man desperately needed to see Jesus, but he had no way to get in. But this man, lucky for him, had friends who cared about him. This man had friends. He had, he had real friends. How many in the room, you say, I got some real friends in my life. See, real friends, they care way less about your current location and way more about your eternal destination. 
Real friends will do whatever they can to get their friends to Jesus. Are you a real friend? Are you a real friend? Real friends. This man had them. But he didn't just have real friends. He had real friends with faith. How many of you know that there's a difference between having real friends in the faith and real friends with the faith? I can live in the faith and not have any faith. I can be saved and not live with faith. This man had real friends with faith. Can I just be honest with you? 2019, I'm tired of a Christianity that is all about cool quotes and, you know, cool preachers and, and, and cool outfits and, and cool events. And, and the same Christianity that walks by people who desperately need to see Jesus because we've elevated this Christianity and not the Christianity that we see in the Bible. Can I just be honest with you? I'm tired of saying that I am about my father's business when I'm really about my business. Can I just be honest with you? I'm tired of watching arenas get filled for pop artists and our churches get smaller and smaller. I'm tired of walking by people who desperately need to see Jesus and me not being willing to carry them. Do you live your life with the faith? Say it with me. I want to be about my father's business. My father's business. You sound so good. You sound so good. I love this story so much because these men, we don't know their names that carried this man to Jesus. But what we do know is that they had crazy faith. They had crazy faith because these men didn't have any reason to believe that Jesus was going to do this, right? Like Jesus didn't show up to town and start posting posters everywhere. Hey, I'm going to have healing at this house on this day, right? He didn't take out like an ad campaign where he's talking to the camera and he's saying, hey, you need to be here. This is going down. He, he didn't do any of that stuff. Most likely what happened was these four people were just walking down the street and someone said, hey, Jesus is close. Hey, Jesus is close. When you hear that today in your life, what does it cause you to do? Hey, hey Jesus is close. I don't know about you, but for me, man, a lot of times I, I need someone to give me a word before I'll move for God. A lot of times I, I need to have peace for a long time before I'll move and do something for God. I need sign after sign after sign before I get confidence that it was actually from the Lord. These people, all they heard was, hey, Jesus is close. See, when your faith in God is big, the sign from God doesn't have to be. When your faith is big, all it takes is, hey, Jesus is close. I wonder what we would do if we knew those words to be true. Hey, hey, Jesus is, Jesus is close. I look at people who inspire me, like your pastor, like Pastor Mike. I look at their lives and Sometimes I go, man, I, I wish God could use me like, like God's using them. I wish God could, could use me like, like God's using them to, to reach a city. I, I, wish, I wish he would work like that in my life. And what I have begun to learn after talking to people like him and hearing their story is that all of us in this room have been called. The difference between the people that God uses and the people that God doesn't is simply their response to that call. Do you respond? Will you say yes? Few people are chosen, but all of us are called. The few that are chosen simply said yes. 
I think about it like this. The other day, um, I was watching college football. Anybody like college football? I'm a big fan. Uh, sometimes I have to pray after games because my heart gets kind of hard. But, but I was watching college football the other night at my house, and my wife, she called me, and she said, she said, hey, I'm coming home from Target. I was like, oh, no, what was the damage, you know? <laughs> she said, hey, I'm coming home from Target. She said, I'm passing Buffalo Wild Wings. You want me to pick you up some wings? I was like, confirmation that this is my, my woman. I'm telling you right now, like, this is my girl, okay? So she said, I'm coming home from Buffalo Wild Wings. You want me to bring you some wings? I'm like, yes, okay. So a few minutes later, she shows up. And uh, shows up at the house and she walks in and she's holding this big to-go box of Buffalo Wild Wings. And uh, I don't know why this image popped into my head, but I imagined what it would have looked like when, if she was standing there in the doorway without the box, like just holding the wings. I don't know why this popped into my head, but it did. I promise you, I'm weird, okay? Like, like sauce would be all over her, you know? Like, like she'd be standing there really awkwardly, and, and I would have, and you know, there's like a term with the young people, like I'm saucy. She would literally be saucy in that moment, right? But my first question to her would have been, hey, babe, where's the box? Where's the box? Right? This, this to-go box. You ever seen a Buffalo Wild Wings to-go box? It's, it probably cost about 10 cents, Right? It's not very valuable, but when a product is put inside of that box, it takes on a totally different value. It, it takes on a totally different value. Right? Right? The, the box is not very valuable, but when the product is put inside of it, it takes on a whole new value. The box does not give value to the product. The product actually gives value to the box. When I think about this, it reminds me of my relationship with Christ. Because we are that box. We are the vessel. Pretty ordinary. Pretty ordinary. But when a product, when Jesus is put inside of us, our value <laughs> begins to grow exponentially. Begins to grow in crazy, crazy ways. Many times we think, man, I, I just, I don't have it all together. I, I'm not very talented. I'm not very smart. I'm, I'm not very influential. I'm not very popular. But what this says to me is that if I'll just be clean and if I'll just be open, God can put something inside of me. God can put a miracle inside of me. People can come to know Jesus. All I have to be is clean and open for God to put a product inside of me. If you want to be used by God this morning, you need two things. You need to be clean and you need to be open. You need to be clean and you need to be open. You need to be, need to be clean from the things of sin. You need to be clean from your past. You just need to ask for forgiveness and you need to be open to what God wants to do in your life. You just need to be available. Are you available this morning? Because if you're available and if you're clean, you can be about your father's business. There's a story of a man named Nabil Koresh and um, his story really impacted me in a crazy way. Uh, he passed away about two years ago, and um, he was only 31 years old. I don't know if you've, if you've heard of this man, but he was a, a leading Christian apologetic. He traveled around with uh, a man named Ravi Zacharias, and um, Nabil had a pretty crazy story. He grew up in a devout Muslim family, and um, he actually lived in a city where most of the population were Christians. But his family was Muslim and they were devout and he was very smart. 
And so by the time he was 16 or 17 years old, he began to study other religions because he didn't find fulfillment um, in the Muslim religion. And one of the religions he began, began to study was Christianity. And as he read the Bible, he found himself more and more attracted to this man named Jesus. But as he read the Bible, he said he became more and more confused by Christians. When he was interviewed a couple months before his death from lung cancer, the interviewer said, Nabil, why did it take you so long to give your life to Jesus? If you, were, if you were interested in this man named Jesus at 16, 17 years old, you didn't give your life to him until you were 23. What, what caused it? He said, I read the Bible and I was confused by Christians because I had lived my entire life surrounded by Christians, surrounded by church, and not a single person had ever told me the gospel. He said it led me to believe one of two things. Either Christians don't believe what they read in the Bible or two, Christians don't care that I'm going to hell. And I read that and I thought, man, how many people have I walked by who needed to hear the gospel, who needed to see Jesus? And I just kept going. Nabil was the man that was paralyzed. You could put him in this story in Mark chapter 2. And I walked by. And other Christians walked by. His story, it broke my heart because I, I, I know that in 2019 there are tons and tons of people who are desperate to see Jesus. And a lot of times as Christians we're just busy doing our thing. We're just busy going through the motions. We're busy going to church. And God's calling us to get them to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to have the type of faith that when I walk into Starbucks, people hear Jesus. When I walk into the grocery store, people see Jesus. I want to have the type of faith that I want to get my friends to Jesus. I want to have the type of faith that when I come to church, I'm bringing people with me. I want to have the type of faith that says, you know what? I know I'm a small part of this plan, but I believe God is using me in the city of Albany. I'm believing I'm a walking, talking revival. And that when people come in contact with me, they're going to leave with a piece of Jesus. I'm believing that there are people in this room that God wants to use in incredible ways in Albany. That when I come back next year to Revo Conference 2020, this room is going to be full. Not because it's about filling rooms, but because we're leaving with the mission to fill heaven. Because we're leaving with the mission that we want to see souls won for the kingdom of God. That when we go to the workplace and when we go out into the streets of Albany, we're going to go with a passion and a desire to reach lost people. Are you about your father's business? Have you ever asked a little kid what they wanted to be when they grow up? There was a kid here last night I met. He was 14 years old, and um, he came uh, to, the, to the conference with his dad. And um, he came up to me, and he had a, a Golden State Warriors shirt on. I said, hey, bro. I said, I said man, do you want to be a basketball player when you grow up? And that might have been like a weird question to a 14-year-old. I don't know. But he was like, yeah, yeah, I do, I actually do. And, and, and he was like four foot two, so he probably is not going to be a basketball player. You know what I mean? But I was like, yeah, you are. I'm going to buy tickets to your game. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when you ask a kid that question, it doesn't matter what they're going to say. Like you just have to be encouraging. Like we don't make the rules. Like that's just what happens, you know? Like if a kid says he wants to be a racehorse, you just pat his head and you start calling him Seabiscuit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> but, um, you know, up until just a couple of decades ago, we didn't have any say in what we wanted to be when we grew up. That's just not how culture works. You would just do whatever your dad did. So if your dad was a farmer, you'd be a farmer. If your dad was a banker, you'd be a banker. Um, if your dad was a lawyer, you'd be a lawyer. Whatever the business of your father was, that would be your business also. This was just a part of your inheritance. It was a part of the, the way of life up until just a couple decades ago. And I was reading about our heavenly inheritance. And um, this is what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. I'll just read it to you. It says, And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. When I start thinking about the call of God on my life, a lot of time doubt begins to creep in my head. And I go, man, I don't know. I don't know if God can really use me. I don't know if I'm really qualified. But what this scripture says to me is that I have a heavenly inheritance. That every single thing that Jesus had on this earth, I actually get to inherit also. I don't know if you know this, but your heavenly father is in the business of freedom. And so because he has freedom, I have freedom. Your heavenly father is in the business of peace, and so I have peace. Your heavenly father is in the business of grace and love and truth and victory. And because he has all those things, I get to walk on this earth with those things also. It's, it's insane. It's hard for me to wrap my, my mind around that literally Jesus took my place so that I could now live like Jesus did. It's, it's mind-blowing to me, but it's encouraging to me when I look at the size of the calling. If you were here yesterday, we talked about the faithfulness of God and how sometimes he calls us to these things that seem impossible, and it's right where he wants us because when he calls us to do the impossible, only he can get the credit for it. I believe God's calling us in this room to do the impossible, right? Pastor Mike was telling me about the city of Albany about the statistics of the people who live here and the college students who live here and, and, and the poverty and, and how it, it, you can be on one street and be with the wealthy and on one street and be with the, the hurting and the people who don't know if they can buy their dinner that night. I believe God's called us to reach all of them. It seems impossible, but with our God, nothing is impossible. It seems impossible, but it's right where God can do his best work. It's right where God can do a miracle. Will we be about our Father's business? Simple question that I wanted to talk to you about this morning. Will we be about our Father's business? I want the band to come. I just want to share a quick story of a friend of mine um, who inspired me in so many ways. Um, my story uh, is I grew up in a Christian home. My parents are pastors. But um, by the time I was in high school, I had decided I wasn't going to follow Jesus. And uh, I won't get into why, but um, a lot of confusion about Jesus, a lot of confusion about church and religion. But um, how many of you know when you grow up in a pastor's home, you go to church whether you want to or not, right? Because if you want to eat, <laughs> you better go. So I still went to church. And um, when I was in 11th grade, I had this friend. His name was Spencer. And uh, Spencer... It's this dude 
who had it all together, all right? Um, Spencer was a star wide receiver on the football team. He's one of my best friends. We played football together. He was a state champion in tennis multiple years. Um, stud athlete, he was a good looking dude. We'd walk into the cafeteria and all the girls would be looking at us. That's what I said, but it was really him. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they're looking at me. <laughs> no, they weren't, bro. <laughs> But he was, he was all around just stud of a dude. Um, he wasn't a Christian, and uh, he was a little bit of a jerk sometimes if you weren't his friend. He was that guy who kind of hung out with a certain crowd of people and only talked to a certain amount of people. And His parents were really wealthy. His dad was a surgeon, and so all the parties were at Spencer's house. All the hangouts were at Spencer's house, and he was my, he was my best friend in 11th grade. And um, one day, I got a phone call from my mom. It's about five in the afternoon, and she said, uh, hey, Noah, you need to get to the hospital as fast as you can. Um, Spencer has been in a car wreck, and they don't know if he's going to make it. And so um, I rushed to the hospital, and he had had a, a head injury, and the doctors had told his family that if he did survive, that um, there was no chance that he was ever going to be able to talk. Um, Again, that he was going to have brain damage, that he probably was, was going to be um, uh, just a shell of who he used to be. And so um, that went on for, he was in the hospital for three months, three and a half months. And at the end of the three and a half months, Spencer walked out of the hospital alive and normal. And... Um, completely healed. It was, it was a miracle in itself. But I'll never forget, he came back to school and my mom, was, <laughs> my mom was making breakfast in the kitchen the day he was supposed to come back to school. And she said, uh, she said Noah, you're going to invite that boy to church. And I was like, Mom, no, I'm not. She's like, do you want to eat? <laughs> you know? It's like, okay, Mom, I'll, I'll invite him to church. And so that day at school, I said, hey, Spencer, you know, we have youth group tonight. Do you want to come to church? And to my surprise, he said, yes. Spencer came to church with me and my youth pastor, his name was Pastor Mike too. Pastor Mike preached a message on God's grace that night. And he gave an altar call. And before he was even done with the altar call, my friend Spencer took off running from the back of the room. And he just laid at the foot of the stage and he began to pray and began to cry and he accepted Jesus that night and um god I hate crying bro you you jinxed me I hate this so much <laughs> and uh the craziest thing happened because Spencer's life literally changed so drastically so fast Spencer became the dude at school that talked to everybody. He became the dude at school that would literally change lunch tables. We went to a school of 4,500 high schoolers, and he would literally change lunch tables every single day because he wanted to talk to new people about the love of Jesus. He, he, he became a totally different person. I remember being so confused, like, what happens to my friend Spencer? A few months went by. And uh, a few months went by, our youth group went from 75 people to over 400 high schoolers because of Spencer. It, it, was, it was insane. 
few months went by. I said, hey, Spencer, I got to talk to you. We were at school one day. He said, yeah, man, what's up? I said, can we just sit down? We were at lunch. We sit down and I said, man, this is crazy. You know, I know that your life has been changed radically. And I just want to know what happened because there, I've never seen someone change as much as I've seen someone change like, 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 like you. Can you just tell me what happened? And as I started to ask him this question, tears began to well up in his eyes and he started to cry. I'll never forget what he said. He looked across the table. He said, no, I came this close to dying. So now I'm going to live. It was the next thing that he said that changed my life forever. I, I didn't know in that moment how profound his next words would be to my life. Because it was four years later before I accepted Jesus. But when he looked across the table, he had this determined look in his eyes as tears were streaming down his face. And he said, you know what, Noah? The devil should have taken me out when he had the chance. Because now I'm going to make him pay. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I think about Spencer's story, it's the same story as me. I came this close to dying, but now I get to live. And when I think about what Jesus did for me, it makes me want to look at the devil and say, you should have taken me out when you had the chance. I don't know... <laughs> I don't know where you're at, but I want to encourage you to look back at the things in your life that should have taken you out and to look at those things and say, you know what, devil, you should have taken me out when you had the chance because now I'm about to make you pay. Now I'm about to turn the city of Albany upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ because I believe with my entire heart that what God did for me, he can do for them. I'm going to be about my father's business. I'm going to be about it. If you're here today and you say, I want to be about my father's business, will you just stand where you're at right now? Just stand. I want to be about my father's business. <laughs> just want to pray for you. Is that okay? Dear God, I thank you so much for the people that are in this room. I thank you so much for their boldness, God, that you put them here for such a time as this, God, for a specific season and a specific time and a specific place, Lord, because you knew that there was a problem in Albany. You knew that there was a sin problem in Albany, and what you did is you rose up a group of people to be a solution to that problem, to step in to where sin is rampant and instead replace it with hope. <laughs> to, to step in where hopelessness was rampant and instead replace it with life. God, I thank you for each and every person in this room. God, I pray that you would that you would right now increase their faith, God. Give them a supernatural boldness to declare the good news of Jesus everywhere they go. That every single person they come in contact with would not see another person, but they would see a person so full of love and hope and peace and freedom, God, that they would want to know what that person has, and that person would have you. God, we're believing for divine conversations to take place in these next couple of days, Lord. 
that you're, that you're going to bring people into their life that they're going to get to share the gospel with. People who, who have never shared the gospel are going to share the gospel for the very first time and they're going to see people come to know you. God, we thank you for the revival that is starting right here in this house. We pray for every leader, every pastor, every volunteer, God, that you would fill them up and that when people, when lost people come into this house, that they would encounter you, that they would never walk out of here the same, that every person that walks in here that doesn't know you would walk out knowing you. That this would be a hub known for salvation. We love you and we thank you. If you keep your eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I, I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about, but, but I want to know him. Will you just slip up your hand real quick and, and put it back down? Just slip it up where I can see it. Okay, I see you. Awesome. Will everybody just say this prayer with me? Dear Lord, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you that while I was a sinner, you died for me. All the sin, all the shame, you bore it on the cross. I ask right now that you would come into my heart. That you would forgive me for my sins. And that I could walk every day with you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you.